Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Neil McGeever. While the worship team is sitting down, why doesn't everybody turn to Joshua chapter 3? So just to set the stage here a bit, Moses has died, and Joshua, by the command of God, has now taken over the leadership of Israel. And God has told Joshua, in the next few days, it's going to be time. You're going to be crossing the Jordan, and every spot where your foot treads is going to become yours. And each tribe is going to get their, their part of the holy land, of the promised land. And you're going to enter into the rest that I've been talking to you about. And so he's been giving all these instructions to Joshua, and Joshua has been talking through all of his commanders and stuff to all of the tribes of Israel, and all the word's gone out across Israel that we're going in. We're going into the promised land. The first thing that they have to do is they have to cross the Jordan because they're on the wrong side of the Jordan. They're on the, the opposite side of the Jordan from the promised land. And so he, um, they've been given the command that the ark has to go first across the Jordan. And that's what's going to stop the Jordan from flowing so that they can cross over the Jordan on dry land. Amen? Okay, so let's, let's start in uh, verse 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people saying, when ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. So the command was when they see the ark pass by where they have set up their tents, it's time to take down those tents and to follow after that ark, to fall in line after the ark. And as the ark goes and stays in the Jordan River, they're going to go across. Okay? Now, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, the presence of God existed in that ark. That's where he lived, right in that ark, in I don't know the exact sizes, but it was a very beautiful, very elaborate box that, um, that they carried around with them when they were going through the desert, and they set it up and, and whenever they, they took up camp and stuff like that. But that is where God resided. He didn't reside inside of them like he does in us because Jesus hadn't come yet. So in order for him to be there with the Israelites, his chosen people, he lived in this ark. Wherever the ark was, was him. Everybody got that? Okay. Amen. That word after, right at the end of the verse, what did the commander say? When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. 
Go after it. That word after means a whole lot of things, but one of the words is pursuing. They had to pursue after the ark in order to get into the promised land. Okay? You with me? So we're going to be talking about pursuit today. Pursuing God. We're going to be talking about pursuing God. The Lord started to show me about this in my own life. Um, at, I think this was at a prayer group about three weeks ago. That we, it's part of who we are is to pursue God. We are put here on earth to pursue him. To pursue a relationship with him. To, to be in, just like we did, in communion with him. Part of taking communion is about being in communion with God. We're supposed to pursue after that. With everything that we have. The question is, are we? And that's only a, a question that between you and the Holy Spirit you can answer. But it's important to take time to ask yourself, are you pursuing him? The way that he would, not the way that you want to pursue him. <laughs> this isn't a, what's that saying, my truth situation. <laughs> I did it my way. Are you pursuing him the way that he wants you to pursue him? So we're going to take some time to unpack this this morning, to look at pursuing him and what, what it talks about in the Bible, about pursuing God. And hopefully we'll come to a better realization of what that means in our life and what that looks like and how we can go about doing it. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's turn to Matthew thir chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Go almost all the way to the end of the chapter. We're going to start in verse 44. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 44. This is Jesus talking, and he's giving a parable. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. So, in plain English, this guy's walking down the road and he sees this field. And in the middle of this field, he sees this amazingly valuable treasure. And he's like, man, I have to have this. I have to have this. I, I want this so much that I'm going to go and sell everything that I can sell of mine. Any, any 
thing that my, people will give me money for that can give me the opportunity to buy this field, I'm going to go and do that. That's how important this treasure was to him when he saw it. He couldn't live without it. And so he went and he sold everything that he had to buy that field so that he could have that treasure. Mm-hmm. For the joy of it. 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is the exact same scenario. A merchant man, he saw something, this pearl, this beautiful pearl that was worth a lot of money. And it was worth it to him so much that he went and sold everything. Nothing, anything else in his life was of no consequence, was of no importance anymore to him. Except to get that pearl, that treasure. When I was younger, much younger. Oh, wow, 30 years younger. <laughs> I had a 1973 canary yellow Volkswagen Bug. Oh, I loved that car. I so cherished that car. I put an amazing Pioneer stereo system in it. At that time, I was learning about auto mechanics, and so I was able to do all that stuff myself. And I, I had... The front of it lowered, and I got these really nice mags that had chrome rims with black centers in it, and and nice, um, really nice high performance uh, uh, tires on it. And then I I got I changed out the standard steering wheel with this this mahogany wood steering wheel that had chain that 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 went from the actual steering wheel down to the steering column and stuff like that, and oh. I so enjoyed that car. I so enjoyed that car. I, it was one of those cars I just, I took great pleasure in driving every day, anywhere that I went. I always wanted to drive because I wanted to drive my car because it was so fun. And it had, oh, we just, yes, it was wonderful. I, I cherished that car. And then I got born again, and I still had the car, and I got an opportunity to uh, start playing on the worship team at the church that I was going to, or I got born again. They didn't have a drum set, but I saw this electronic drum set that I thought, this would be great, because it... Let's just say the church was wonderful. I learned a lot in this church, but it wasn't quite as free as this church <laughs> to worship. So they wanted to be able to very much so contain the drums. So they, <laughs> so they, 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 um, so I had to find an electronic drum kit. So I, I actually still have it. 
Um, it's called a Roland SPD-8. So all of a sudden, this wonderful car started to become of no importance to me. I saw an opportunity to get something that would allow me to do what God's asked me to do, to minister to him, to minister to people, to play the drums. So I sold that car. And with the money that I got from that car, I was able to buy the Roland SPD-8 drum um, thing, stand, uh, an amplifier speaker, and a bunch of other stuff so that I could go and minister how the Lord wanted me to minister. I could go and do what the Lord wanted me to do. I saw a treasure. And all of a sudden, that which was so important to me became of no importance to me. See, this is the right perspective on pursuit. God gives us stuff in our lives. Make no mistake of that. But it's the right perspective. You see, what God has to offer us is joy that makes us strong and full. Peace that is unmovable can't be taken away from us. And a purpose that is so fulfilling that there is nothing in this world worth holding on to to take away from that purpose in our life. Just like I said, I saw God's purpose at that point in my life was to be on the worship team and to be playing those drums and to be able to fit in where everybody was comfortable with it. The leadership of the church was comfortable with it. And all of a sudden, that wonderful car became of no consequence, became of no importance. Because there was no equivalent in the world to actually being used by God, to pursuing him and being on that path that he has for us. Amen? Okay. Let's turn to Philippians 3. And we're going to start in verse 1. And we're going to go up to 11 at this point. Philippians 3, starting in verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Okay, let's stop right there. We need to ask ourselves a question here. Is there any part of us that has confidence in our flesh? Don't answer. 
I don't need to know. The person sitting next to you doesn't need to know. But you need to know. And God is going to reveal it to you. And have no confidence in the flesh. Your flesh is going to take you down a road that you don't want to go down. If you start pursuing your flesh, that gets really bad. You get, you get fully in, engulfed and committed to that road that's going away from the Lord. Because you can pursue your flesh. You can pursue things of this world. Pursuit isn't just for God, but we're always pursuing something in our life. We're always pursuing something in our life. We just have to be checking to see what that is. Think about in your past or maybe even right now, a friend or a sibling who always leads or led you astray. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you were the one, that's right, that were leading people astray. Oh, let's go do this. This seems like fun. <laughs> See how easy it is? Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> Are we... It can be a, just a simple split decision or split-moment decision. Oh, wow, look at what just happened there. Right? Keep our eyes on God. We're pursuing God. Have no confidence in the flesh. Okay, verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more... So this is Paul talking. Verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Je Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. Okay, let's stop there for a second. What does that all mean? It means that he was a mucky muck in that day and age. He, he, was, he was the elite because of his heritage, because of what he had learned, because of everything that he had been taught. He was at the top of the Pharisees. He had the high place. Okay? You get in the picture? Before Paul, when Paul was solemn, before he came to the Lord... He was the go-to man. Verse 6. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law blameless. That's a big statement. That is a huge... For, for an Israelite before Jesus came to say that he was blameless in front of the law of the Old Testament... That meant that he had to be in line with every single last law. 
Because it says in the Old Testament that if you break one law, you've broken them all. So for him to say that is huge. I mean, that is like almost, are you sure, man, I'm going to take a step back just in case the lightning comes and strikes you statement. Verse 7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Okay, well, what does that mean? What, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. So all these things that he just listed, all of these accomplishments, all of these positions that he had, all of this passion that he had to, against the Christians, everything that he just listed that were gained to him, he counts as lost for Christ. They are of no consequence anymore because of Christ in his life. They are of no importance anymore because of Christ in his life. They have no bearing on his life anymore because of his life in Christ. Because he's chosen to pursue Jesus. They are of no consequence. They are of no importance anymore. They don't mean anything. In my life, I have an honors Bachelor of Commerce specializing in accounting, and I have a, my, what was originally my certified general accounting, accounting designation. It's now called the char Chartered Professional Accountants designation. And that was something that the Lord had told me to go and do. He told me to go and do it. And so I went and did it, and I got my designation and my degree in 2007. Now, I put so much importance on those two sets of letters after my name and took my eyes off of God, stopped pursuing God, that I had a lot of trouble in my jobs. I mean, I knew the stuff, but... I constantly was having problems in my job because I put up those things, my degree and my designation, before God. They were more important to me than God. I had basically gotten into the flesh, like we were talking about earlier, that little adjustment into the flesh. And so I was having a hard time. Now... When I put my perspective, when I started pursuing God, and I put him first in my life, and I started going after him, those degrees, that degree and my accounting des designation became of no interest to me. Yet, God had told me to go and do them. Just like he's told you to go and do education or whatever it may be, but if you put that education before God, it's not going to go well. 
I can tell you firsthand if you want to know details. But the moment you put God first, he can then take that degree, that education, that training that you had, and use it for his glory. The favor and the ability and the wisdom that I have had in my current job has eclipsed anything that I've ever done in my past, in, in my past jobs in my career. And it's nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. It was my choice. Well, I guess at one point, it was my choice to pursue God. And as I pursue God and put him first, he has given me all of that. He's taken that which I had to put behind and started to use it in my life to glorify him. To glorify him. That's what this is talking about here. That was Paul's perspective. All of these things, and all of the training and everything that he had. And you can apply this to any part of your life. If it's anything that you've put above God, it is going to get in the way of you pursuing God. So Bethany was just sharing with me a couple of days ago or something like that. Um, that, no, let me just explain something about Bethany. <laughs> Bethany is the recorder for the McKeever family. If you want to know anything about when anything happened in, in our history, in our past, she can find it. She knows about it. She has recorded it somewhere. She also likes to do lists and organize things. And this is a wonderful thing. Lists are a wonderful thing. This is just to show that it, I'm not just talking about education, but this applies to every aspect of your life. Lists are a wonderful thing. They can help you. They help me. But Bethany was sharing with me that the Lord had shown her that the list that she was creating had become more important than hearing from him. So she started, pardon me, it wasn't good. No, it wasn't good. <laughs> she had started pursuing the list. Do I have it on the list? Can I check it off the list? Do I need to make another list? Do I need to make a list of my lists? <laughs> but the Lord took the time to show her that the list wasn't bad. It's where she put the list in her life. That she put it before God. She was pursuing the list instead of pursuing God and allowing God to use the list to help her do what he's asked you to do. Where did I get to? <laughs> Join the list. Uh, oh, yeah, we're in verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I count lost for Christ. 
Yeah. Verse 8. Ye doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I might win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We go back to verse 9. And be found in him, not of mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. So in my own life, my own righteousness was me resting on my degree and my accounting designation to get me through, as opposed to trusting in the Lord, having faith in the Lord. Bethany was starting to rely more on her lists than she was on the Lord. So, the question to all of us, is there anything in our lives that we're relying on more than God? Are we relying on more than Jesus? Are we relying on more than the Holy Spirit working inside of us? Are we choosing to go on our own righteousness, thinking that we can do better than God, really is what it is. Are we doing better than God, which is of our own law? <laughs> but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So if we choose to pursue Him, He's then going to take those things that we're thinking about right now, <laughs> And he's still going to use them. Because in all honesty, God has gifted Bethany with an ability to organize. And it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. If it's put in the right place. If it hasn't been made an idol before God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Let's turn to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, we're going to go all the way to the end of the chapter, starting in verse 31. Matthew 6, 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? So, that word thought, it means be anxious about, 
So, don't be anxious saying, what am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? What am I going to, where am I going to get some water? I need some clothes. I need stuff. Don't be anxious about that. That's what that's saying. Don't be anxious about your needs. It's talking about food, water, and clothing there. But think about the needs in your life. And it's saying right here, don't be anxious about them. Don't be worried about them. Don't let them consume your mind. He's going to answer why in just a minute here. Verse 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Look at that. Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. That person that contacted Pastor Gwen this morning that needs a car. Our Father in heaven knows that that person needs a car. He's already in, in the works to get that car to that person. And that person is going to be blessed because they've chosen to pursue God instead of be worried about the car. They're going to be blessed by the car that comes into their life. He knows. He knows all of your needs before you even comprehend them. Before they're even a concern to you, which they shouldn't be, like we're just talking about. Don't be anxious about these things. Take no thought of them. Don't consume your mind. That's why it says take no thought. Don't let those thoughts run through your mind about those things that you're needing in your life. Because it just takes up space in your brain. <laughs> Real estate is really expensive up here between your ears. <laughs> it's really important to fill it with the right things, the things of God. <laughs> now here's the answer, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what does this say? Oh, and all these things shall be added unto you. All of these things. <laughs> and I think everybody knows this now. All in the Greek means? All. There we go. <laughs> all means all. Nothing too little. To nothing too great. All. A paper towel dispenser in the men's washroom <laughs> to a new office space for me at home. Amen. He takes care of all of our needs. Amen? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Pursuit. Pursue after him. Get to know what righteousness means, how that applies to your life. Simply said, righteousness means right standing with God. You're set apart for God. 
not because of anything that you've done, but you have right standing because of what Jesus did. Pursue after that. Pursue after his kingdom. Pursue after him. Pursue a relationship with him. Don't worry. Don't be concerned. Don't let your real estate between your ears be consumed by those things that he says he's already taken care of, that he knows about. It says earlier in this chapter, he talks about if, if I take care of the birds of the, birds of the air and the flowers of the field, how much more am I going to take care of you? How much, more, how much more am I going to take care of you, the one who I created to have a relationship with, to interact? He solely created us to interact with him, to be in communion with him, to pursue him. It's all about the place that those things have in our life. Even the worries of our needs. The real question here is, have those things, even those needs, have they become an idol in your life? Have they consumed you so much that they're taking the place of God in your life? Are they an idol or are they submitted to God? Have you cast your care on him? Right? That scripture says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. He's going to take care of them. Cast your cares on him because, believe me, he is far better able to take care of your cares than you will ever be. Than you will ever be. So, again, I ask, you think about those needs in your life, where are they? Are they sitting up there as an idol and you're spending most of your time thinking about how you're going to deal with them? Or have you submitted them to God? Cast them at his feet. Say, Lord, I know, I trust you. I know that you can take care of them because your word says that you can take care of them. Amen? I wrote down a question here. Are you pursuing God? Or are you pursuing acknowledgement for yourself and what you have accomplished? I ask myself that question all the time. Am I pursuing God? Or am I pursuing acknowledgement for myself for what I have accomplished? Notice all the eyes in that second question. I, 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 I. You sound like the seagulls from Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. I, 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 I. We don't want to be an I, 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 I type of person. <laughs> we want to be pursuing God. Because he said he's going to take care of all of that. Okay, let's turn to Hebrews. And we're going to look in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2.
Hebrews 12, verse 1 and verse 2. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are, in, are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. That word weight means a burden or a hindrance. A burden or a hindrance. So we're supposed to lay aside our burdens and our hindrances. It says in Luke, I think it is, Jesus is talking and he says, All ye who are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. For my yoke is light. Right? His yoke is light. So if we have a burden on us that's feeling heavy on us, I guarantee you that is not from God. I don't even know need to know what it is. I can guarantee you it is not from God. It may be something that is in your life that you're having to deal with, but if it's a burden to you, it's in the wrong spot in your life. It's in the wrong spot in our lives. Amen? Weight means burden or hindrance. So let us lay aside all those burdens and hindrances and the sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience. Mm. That word patience means cheerful or hopeful endurance. Cheerful or hopeful endurance. And hope in the Bible is not a, oh, I hope it's going to happen. Being tossed to and fro by the waves. Hope in the Bible, the Bible definition of hope is confident expectation. So that word patience means that we're going to have cheerful, confident expectation of endurance. Yes. Hallelujah. Let us run with cheerful, confident expectation of endurance, the race that is set before us. Hallelujah. Yes. Looking unto Jesus. Yes. Let me repeat that. Looking unto Jesus. Pursuing Jesus. Hallelujah, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, hallelujah. That word finisher means complete or completer. He is the completer of us, of our faith. So let's pursue him because he wants to complete us. Well, he already has completed us. He did that on the cross. I'm going to read this in the, how do we figure it out? Voiced translation. <laughs> Therefore also, as for us, having so great a cloud of those who are bearing testimony, i.e. the heroes of faith of chapter 11. So go read chapter 11 to see who we're talking about. Surrounding us, having put off and away from ourselves once for all every encumbrance and that sin which so deftly and cleverly places itself in an entangling way around us with patience. What was patience again? 
cheerful, confident expectation of endurance. Let us be running the race lying before us, looking off and away to Jesus, the originator and perfecter of this aforementioned faith, which instead of the joy that was present with him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Put off and away from ourselves once and for all every encumbrance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a lot more here. Let's turn to Luke 14. Luke 14. And verse 26. Luke 14, verse 26. If any man come to me, if any person come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. That's Jesus talking. <laughs> Let me read it again. Verse 26, this is Jesus talking. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. So, that's a bit confusing. If you take any time to read through... uh, the first epistle of John at the end of the Bible, all he talks about pretty well the entire thing is the love of God and how God is love and, and God's perfect love casts out fear and love this and love that and love everything. And, and he talks about how God is love, yet here it says, and hate not all of those people. So what does this mean? What is Jesus trying to say here? Well, that word hate also means to love less. To love less. Okay, so now we read it. If any man come to me and love less not, so doesn't love less his father and his mother and his wife and his children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. So, love less than what? Jesus. So, just like my degree and my accounting designation and Bethany's lists and anything that you were coming up with in, in your mind that 
is exalting itself above God in your life, it's not that it isn't important or that person isn't important in your life, but where do they stand? Where is the position that they have in your life? What is the position that they have in your life? They should be second to Jesus. Your pursuit shouldn't be after them. Your pursuit should be after Jesus. And then they take their right spot in your life. Again, I take an example from my own life. I had no concept of this before. And my sole purpose, even though I was a Christian, was to do anything and everything to please Heather. And then the kids, when they came along, I, I literally, that was, I was consumed with that. Yet, I kept making mistakes. I kept doing the wrong thing. To the point where came this close to losing it all. Because of that. Because I had put them in a wrong place in my life. Now, Praise God, the moment God got a hold of me, I allowed him to get a hold of me, and I learned, and I grew, and I realized that they can't be first place in my life, that the worries in my life can't be first place in my life, that anything that is, not, that is, that is putting itself above God in my life has to be taken down so that God can be first in my life, so that I am pursuing God first in my life, the moment I saw that and I started pursuing God first in my life, quite literally, everything turned around. Heather and I have a better relationship now than we ever had before. Like, it, it isn't even comparable. It's not worth it. It is, it is so rich now because... I am pursuing God first. And because Heather is pursuing God first. I can't remember where I saw this or heard this. But think of a relationship, any relationship, with a wife, with children, with friends, with siblings, with parents, with anything like that. Think of it as a triangle. Okay? So you start out at the base of a triangle. And as you grow in your faith and your pursuit of God, you come up the sides of the triangle. Notice how as you're coming up the sides of the triangle, you're getting closer and closer to each other as you're pursuing God. Take that time to pursue Him. Even if the other person isn't necessarily pursuing them, because you're pursuing God, you're going to have a greater ability to deal with them. And then they're going to be in the right place in your life. They're not going to be consuming you. That is what this scripture is talking about.
I've given lots of examples in my own life today. Let's look at an example as we close out tonight, today in Luke 8. Luke 8, and we're going to look at uh, 43, starting 43. This is an example of someone who understood and pursued God. Luke 8, 43. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him, that's Jesus, and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood stanched or stopped. Verse 45. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou who touched me? Basically he's saying there, Men, Jesus, there's a whole lot of people around here. How can you tell who touched you? How can we tell who touched you? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. You know that that word, we think of virtue as somebody who is, who is, um, yeah, there we go, high moral character and, and, and really good, at, uh, yeah, high moral character. But that's actually dunamis. Miracle power. For I perceive that miracle power is gone out of me. Dunamis has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. And she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. She was pursuing God. She was, think about, in that time, she had an issue of blood. That meant that legally, she was not allowed to be around anybody else. She was not allowed to come out of her house. It's kind of like COVID for biblical times. She was not able to come out of her house. She ran the risk of getting in a whole lot of trouble, getting brought up before the Sanhedrin and I think even possibly stoned. Yeah. Because she was not allowed. That was the law. If she came out of her house and they caught her and found out what was going on in her body, she could be stoned. But she was pursuing Jesus. She was pursuing him. She knew that if at that point Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet, so the Holy Spirit wasn't in her or didn't have the ability to be in her, at that point her connection with healing was touching the hem of his garment. Because he was walking in the Holy Spirit and he had that power, that dunamis on the inside of him. So she knew her pursuit was I need to get to Jesus because I know that I will be healed. 
I need to get to Jesus because I know that I will be healed. I need to get to Jesus because I know that this need will be taken care of. I need to get to Jesus so that I can get my relationships right. I need to get to Jesus so that um, I can believe for that car. I can believe for whatever I need in my life. That was her focus. So she went in that focus. And praise God, nobody found out until after she had been healed. Then she was fine. She could be there. He took care of every need. You see that? Protected her. He, he didn't even know who had touched her, but she was protected on the way out there. And made whole instantly. Whole isn't just healed. Healed is whatever's happening in your body is stopped. Whole is basically being brought back to normal. The way your body should be working. Or the way your mind should be working. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327. Or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139, 80th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3W, 3B1.